Empire. Technology is taking over the clubhouse. They're always going to be understaffed. And to your point of, there is a gap because they wear so many hats and their job is so difficult. When they walk in, we have to provide those tools and we have to give them the technology to provide better customer service when they get there. That's Jeremy Hainline, Vice President at NBC Sports Next and Golf Now, where teeing off is getting easier and easier. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. If you're an avid, casual, or traveling golfer, you probably don't feel the need to mess with your time on the course, but technology is not slowing down for those who are just trying to take the good walk. What it is doing is streamlining the experience. Our guest this week is Jeremy Hayline. He is the Senior Vice President at NBC Sports Next and Golf Now. They have a number of different partnerships that we want to get into. So let's talk about the future of access to golf. Hey, Jeremy, how are you? I'm great, Bram. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, before we get into anything really specific, why don't you just talk about Golf Now and what you all are doing? Yeah, so Golf Now, many people may or may not know it, but it is the largest uh, online time company in the world. We're in nearly 30 countries now. We work with over 10,000 golf courses. Uh, and we move millions and millions of tee times. Uh, that's what we were known for back in the day, but we really have progressed over the last eight or 10 years into the technology space. And we provide electronic tee sheets, point of sale systems, booking engines, revenue management tools, marketing widgets, whatever a golf course really needs to market their golf course and facilitate a transaction, whether it's online or inside of the golf shop we can be that one-stop shop for them. So we've we've kind of branched out over the years into a lot of different places within the golf space, originally being known really for just selling tee times online. Okay. Um, and one of the specific partnerships that came out recently was with a software company called T-Snap. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and how that's integrated? Yeah, so it's interesting because obviously in any industry, in any space, you have competitors um, and, and you have people that, you know, you're going after the same customer in some ways and in other ways you're maybe not going after the same customer. And, you know, the customers out there, again, whether it's the, the golf space, electronic T-sheets, point of sale systems or whatever it might be, they're looking for a specific system that fits them very, very well. And while your system may not be their system of choice, you might still have a product that they want to take advantage of or use. And that's when we when I set the stage at the beginning by saying we are in so many different areas and we expand out into all these different places of golf. There are customers out there that like some of what we have and don't necessarily like others things of what we have. So what we do is we like to partner uh, with competitors and we call it uh, coopetition is our, is our <laughs> word that we, we use. Um, and we like to partner with our competitors to say, hey, we understand that in the, in the instance of T-SNAP, they create a uh, electronic T-sheet in the point of sale system. And we know that there are customers that would prefer to use their electronic T-sheet in point of sale system, and that's okay over ours. 
but they would still like to sell tea times in our marketplace. So it's important for us to have an integration to T-SNAP to make sure that somebody who chooses their technology over ours still has the opportunity to sell tea times inside of our marketplace. And that's what a, a partnership like that is all about, is coming together with T-SNAP to say, hey, we have mutual customers. They want to use your technology, but they want to sell in our marketplace. So let's have an interface that's super clean, that works really well, that gets them onboarded fast, and is easy for the customer to use, and then ultimately very easy for a golfer to use to say, hey, I want to book at this golf course. I like to book through golf now. I want to be able to do it all. And so those are the reasons that we go and we seek out those partnerships, and we have a number of interfaces with a lot of companies that on the face would say they're competitors of ours. Okay. Um, tell me a little bit about that marketplace. When you talk about selling tee times, um, is this at high profile golf courses? Is this everywhere? What does that market look like? Public and resort would be, would be the definition. So we're not necessarily selling tee times at private golf clubs fully private golf clubs. There's semi-private golf clubs that we would sell tee times for. But that marketplace could have anything from a high-end golf resort destination uh, to your local municipal golf course. So from the city of Los Angeles on one side of the country to the Waldorf Astoria Resort uh, on the other side of the country in Florida, um, the Wynn Golf Resort in Las Vegas, ultra, ultra high-end, probably one of the more high-end golf courses that we have, all the way down to, again, um, localized golf courses that are public access. So it's a, it's a wide array of golf courses uh, across the country. Um, and, and I would say that in North America, the majority of the golf courses, the overwhelming majority of the golf courses do work with us in some way, shape, or form to either sell tee times or use our technology. So it's very broad. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, you know, I'm middle-aged. When I got a tee time, I called the course and actually had to talk to somebody and get a tea time. And now that this is far easier and far more accessible, um, the question I have for you is, is it flooded in a way that makes it hard for the average golfer to get the type of tea times and the access to the, they would like to get to. Yeah, I think we make it, I think we make it easier, you know, for, for a, for a golfer to find what they want. Like, we have a, a great search engine. We want people to come and think of us as like kind of a, you know, an Expedia of golf or an Amazon of golf. Like you can come and you can search and you can find everything. We want to make it easier. Picking up the phone and calling, one would argue that that's, that's obviously a habit. It's what people like to do. It's yeah. what they're comfortable with. In the golf industry, you're still looking at almost half of the tee times are booked over the telephone. But that is dwindling, especially with COVID. People are learning and being forced to book online or being forced to transact online. Prepayment of tea times has become more of a thing since COVID as well. So that the industry has been forced to change in certain ways. We want to facilitate that change. We want to be able to give golf courses those options to give to golf to give to golfers, so that when they're ready to make that change from the phone to an online booking experience it's much easier for. Ah, okay. So let's talk about technology broadly and golf. Um, 
what you're doing is making the sport more accessible. Um, obviously, there's a nod to a younger generation here that, you know, is way more accustomed to doing all sorts of transactions and making reservations this way, as opposed to the older people like myself that still might actually use a phone and dial somebody up. Um, Can you kind of just broadly talk about where the industry is going and how technology is leading it? Yeah. So this is that thing, right? We talk about all the time. So the golfer is generally the, the avid golfer is a little bit older and people would say, Hey, they're not technologically savvy. Um, I would disagree with that. Uh, you know, my, my dad knows more about his iPhone than I know about mine, uh, and he's 80 years old. So I would, I would disagree with that, that assumption that a lot of people make out there. But we, the way it's changing is that from an accessibility standpoint, yes, the, the younger golfer that's getting into the game, and there's more of them that are getting into the game, they're going mobile first. They're going to go to their phone first. An older golfer might go to their desktop first, or they might, that's the way they would search it, you know, historically. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to say, when you talk about accessibility and the way technology is changing, when we're creating this technology is we want them to transact, we want them to search for the tee time, we want them to transact the tee time, but we also want to be able to do things like check them in online before they get there, which our technology can facilitate. We want to geo-target them when they walk into the property and say, you haven't checked in yet. Would you like to check in online and pay? Those types of things are different that a lot of technology doesn't do, and it's never done in the past. But trying to facilitate that experience through booking, through check-in, and then on golf course as well, whether that's the mobile delivery of food and beverage to the golf course, whether that's the addition of golf balls or merchandise that can be added before you get there so that you don't have to necessarily stand in line to buy things. Technology should be able to start to facilitate all of those things for people if they want to do. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's talk about teeing off. Um, Obviously everyone wants to go off on time. The one thing you can't ever really control or technology controls pace of play. I assume that you can't make players play faster um, and keep the groups moving at the pace that they want to. So there's the human interaction, but all the other stuff you're talking about seems to streamline this process. I had to walk in. I had to announce I was there. I had to pay. We had to make sure everybody was there, get our carts ready, et cetera, et cetera. It sounds like what you're doing on behalf of the courses is streamlining the process so that there are fewer delays here. Yeah. Here, listen, I think that I think it's great. People who work in a golf shop, it's a difficult job. They're generally understaffed and it's hard. And you're dealing with people that are, to your point, a lot of times running late. They're just trying to get there. They get and they got to check in. They got to get to the first seat. They got to do all that. There's a there's a line. They got to stand in a line. Like the frustration level inside of a golf shop is not what it should be when you're coming to do a recreational activity that everybody loves to do. But there's this, there's this intensity that gets created. And people in the golf shop, you know, they, they don't want to necessarily stand behind the counter and just ring in transactions all day. They should be out on the floor. They should be green. They should be hospitality people. They should be trying to sell merchandise. They should be welcoming people to the first tee. And if, you're, if your operation is inundated with the process of just getting somebody's money and checking them in and standing them in the line, very inefficient. And that's what we're trying to do is to give them the tools to say, you know, utilize your staff in a different way. Utilize your staff to spend time with your guests or to teach lessons or whatever they need to be doing. Because all this other stuff, this administrative stuff, like people are doing it all online in other industries. 
we have to train golfers to do it here as well. This episode is brought to you by Chalk and Dog, which brings together the vast experience and expertise of two of the brightest agencies in media, sports, wagering, and gaming. With deep roots in the UK and the US, the agency offers expert guidance in everything from market entry to market expansion for startups as well as established global brands powered by best-in-class communication and creative experts. Chalk and Dog has vast international experience and delivers results-oriented, tailor-made solutions for B2B and B2C organizations. Let's talk about marketing for a minute. I'm sure you guys have had to think about this as well. Um, Golf courses regionally, if they're not obviously very famous or exclusive golf clubs, have word of mouth, have customers, have players that play there all the time. Now you have democratized this in a lot of ways, a lot of different golf courses that people can choose from. Um, how do you think through and how do the operators think through marketing competitively to get players on their courses through technology? You, you got to do marketing that matters. And when I say matters, it matters to the headset. And we try to provide technology that is able to track behavior of golfers at your golf course. What days do they play? When, what times do they play? What do they buy? Our, our systems track all of those things. And then you can put them into groups and you can market meaningful messages to them. The, the, the thing we all hate is whether it's golf, going to the movies or restaurants, is you sending me something that proves you don't know me. And that is a terrible way to market. And I think that that shotgun marketing message was prevalent in golf years ago, yeah. where we would say all these golfers came in, we were doing everything we could just to collect an email address. And you've got an email address and then you just sent out a special or you sent something out to somebody that said, come play next Thursday after two o'clock for $10. Well, I get that. I'm like, I play golf every week. I've never played after two o'clock. I played <laughs> your golf course 200 times. Why are you even sending me this? It shows you don't know me. You don't know anything about me. Or if I walk up, I came from the hotel industry. I worked at Hilton Hotels. When Hilton, their recognition program, when someone would come up to the count, hey, welcome back. They know your last day. They know everything about you. Yet you need that at a golf course. It's like if I play every Saturday at a golf course and I check in, I give them $100 every Saturday at 8 a.m. And I show up on week 12 of playing 11 weeks in a row. And the person behind the counter says, hey, welcome. You've played our golf course before. Like there is nothing that sends me away faster. So marketing digitally through technology is one thing, but marketing when I am in person, I think that is a, is an art that not a lot of businesses, and I'm not just talking golf, do really well outside of, I think, airline and hotel. Yeah. For all the, for all the shortcomings of airline, I still think they do a pretty good job recognizing me when I walk up. I got a different line. You know, movie theaters are starting to do it. AMC does it. You walk up to AMC, you've got a different concession line if you're in their loyalty program. And I'm not saying you need to charge for a loyalty program at the golf course. If there's a subscription model that works, then you should do that and you should facilitate that. But man, if I've been giving you my money, recognize me. And the, the system has to facilitate that for the operator. So it sounds like in a lot of ways, you're talking about um, advancing customer service on behalf of the industry of golf. Because in a hotel or in a restaurant, to your point, there are people 
that have specific roles that will greet you when you walk in the door to get your table. Your waiter is there. There will people will may not be your specific waiter that's bringing you whatever first things need to come in a hotel. Similarly, there's a concierge, there's someone at the front desk, there's people that will take care of things in your room, bartenders, waiters, etc. Those people largely don't exist, right? Because there's a hole here. There's one person being asked to do a lot of different things. So is that kind of the hole you're trying to create here and fill a gap with is the customer service that can't possibly be maintained by one or two people, but the technology can help advance. Yeah. Listen, there's no golf shop you're going to walk into in the next 20 years. That's going to have the employee to golfer ratio of a cruise line, right? It's just never going to happen. You're never going to see that. They're always going to be understaffed. And to your point of there is a gap because they wear so many hats and their job is so difficult when they walk in, we have to provide those tools and we have to give them the technology to provide better customer service when they get there. I believe that we are really good at sending you golfers. That's what we do. That's what we were known for since the inception of our company is we will send you golfers. We're a marketing machine and we can put golfers at your doorstep. Then we got into this world of we can provide technology for you to facilitate transactions when they get there. That's step one and step two, get them there, and take their money, but it's not enough. There's too many golf courses still. There's not enough golfers still. So you have to be different. You have to stand out. You have to change your customer service. You have to treat people a different way. And if you don't have technology that can facilitate all of that, I think you're doing a disservice to the people who are buying your stuff. And so that's what we try to think through is like, okay, what are the tools that we need in there? How can we make it easier? How can we make it frictionless? During COVID, we rolled out, you know, um, Prepayment, not just mobile check-in, but check-in and pay online and getting golf courses to convince golfers to pay before you get here, pay on the way in, even an hour before. It doesn't have to be at the time of the transaction, but given the opportunity to hit the card an hour before, it's frictionless. It's a better experience. I mean, you don't show up to a move, the movies after buying your ticket online and have to pay. You pay online. Like People are accustomed to this. But systems don't facilitate it in golf, unfortunately. Okay. Until recently. Um, all right. So you're you're obviously working with the operators. You must be getting feedback from players. What do they want your technology to do that it isn't currently doing at this point? So tricky question because there's a fine line of capability and adoption. So there's a lot of things that our systems are capable of. When I say our, I'm talking about ours, our competitors everybody like there's a lot of things that systems are capable of that golf courses aren't ready to adopt or don't know how to adopt and the golfer there's not enough golfers demanding it yet right so there's a balance here we create the technology operators know they've bought it and they have it but in order to activate it and adopt it and use it there has to be demand of the golfer so for instance is there a subsection of golfers that love to have their food and beverage delivered to them on the golf course? Yeah. The app, send me out four beers, four hot dogs, whatever. I'm on five. I get it there by the time of fifth grade. Is there a subset of golfers that want to do that? Absolutely. Is there enough golfers in the universe demanding that for a golf course to say, take the two beverage carts off the golf course, park them at the halfway house, and turn them into runners? Some places, yes. Some places, uh, no. So food delivery is a possibility if demand asks for it. How about 
stats on performance and the experience of playing the course, do you delve into that area with players? We don't. So experience to me is obviously course conditions. That's not something we do. However, we do facilitate reviews um, on golf pass, which is part of us. So I would say that that, that delves into your experience and understanding the golf course and understanding what the golf course is like as far as like a pace of play, those types of things, you know, inside of, of technology, there, there's GPS and there's certain things that certain systems do and don't do. I think that the technology is great. And I think that our technology or anybody's technology gives you a understanding of what's happening out there, yep. but there's no technology that fixes any of that. That's all fixed by a human on the golf course, yep. experiencing the golf course with the golfers and saying, you know, keeping people moving along and making sure they're enjoying their experience and understanding where the slow, where the, where the bottlenecks are on the golf course. Like that, that takes a human to do that. I have not seen any technology that can fix that. Yep. Uh, the only thing I can ideate that I want is a virtual caddy. It's someone to tell me when I'm on a certain part of the course, pull this club yeah. out. Here's the pin location. This is where you should be aiming at the green, et cetera, et cetera. Honestly. Yeah. And, and when you make a bad decision, it, it shocks you. On That's your right. Tells you. <laughs> That's right. It fires you. <laughs> you made a bad choice. Yeah. It knows you're not going to make the cut and it fires you. All right. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Exactly. That's good. That's my, my virtual caddy has walked up. My phone is dead. Nothing works. All right. Let me ask you one final question. And it's just a broad golf question. Um, you know, obviously at my age, uh, the, the boom for golf was directly related to Tiger Woods and his emergence and his stardom. And um, I'm just curious where the state of golf is now with a younger generation, an older generation, demand for playing it. How would you kind of just talk about the sport of golf and its interest level in 2023? Golf's in a good spot. I think it's in a great spot. I think that people are excited about golf. I think new people are coming into the game regularly. I think golf facilities have for the most part, taken on a new attitude towards new golfers and welcoming of golfers, loosening of traditional rules. Um, you know, you and I are both sitting here on a podcast talking about golf wearing a hoodie. That did not happen years and years ago. Um, just the fact that people in this space are a little more casual, a little different. That's more welcoming and more inviting. So golf is in a good space from exposure, interest level, and people welcoming it. I think golf is exciting to watch on television. I think the changes to the PGA Tour, where you've got more stars condensed into um, a number of tournaments, gets people's interest watching golf on TV more often. And I can tell you, when you, you brought up Tiger, you know, when Tiger played well on a Sunday, our bookings on golf now for that day were significantly better than on a Sunday where Tiger wasn't playing. I believe wasn't it. wasn't in the hunt. The better Tiger played, the more bookings we made for the following week, the following weekend. I mean, you talk about somebody that can move the needle, he can do it. I think Roy McIlroy has that global appeal that can do that as well. I mean, to compare anybody to Tiger is a bit unfair. But again, what's happening on television drives the sport as well. It's super important. I don't think you know anybody would argue that point. And the changes that we've seen in the last year, I think, are good for the game of golf to move people. So overall, sports in a great place. Um, demand is great. Interest level is high. Um, golf courses are in a better spot than they were before the pandemic. Unfortunately, you know, it's one of those things that 
from a tragedy, you saw golf courses experience a boom. Yeah. And they've sustained it for the most part, and they've made relevant changes uh, for the better. And I think it's all good. Jeremy Hayline is the Senior Vice President with NBC Sports Next Golf Now. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jeremy. On the next Future Sport Podcast, it's Derby Week, so we catch up with one of the most forward-thinking groups in horse racing. Jason, we did a virtual 360 race at Santa Anita. It was uh, in the, one of the mornings. We did it down the six and a half far long, down the hill turf course. Uh, we had eight jockeys, eight horses, and they were wearing the 360 camera, which Jockey Cam has built, right? It's a little bigger than the one they wear now. Well, they got to get it smaller and tighter. Right. But basically, they shot. we shot this race, and now we, we, we activated all the big events. So basically, you put the goggles on, look around, you can look just like VR, and you are in the race. That's Pete Rotondo, Senior Vice President of Racing and Wagering at First, who takes us inside the latest technological advances for the sport and betters. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.